Welcome to the Temple Forum, a podcast from First United Methodist Church in the heart of Chicago. Here we welcome a diversity of voices and conversation about how we live in the world as people of faith. Hello, and welcome to the Temple Forum. This is Jan Engmeyer. On this installment of the Temple Forum, we feature a conversation with William Schweiker. He is the Edward L. Ryerson Distinguished Service Professor of Theological Ethics at the University of Chicago. He is especially known for his scholarship in theological humanism and responsibility ethics. He's an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church and theologian in residence at the First United Methodist Church at the Chicago Temple. He's a past president of the Society of Christian Ethics, and he's the chief editor and contributor to the Encyclopedia of Religious Ethics, which is currently in progress, among other books to write, classes to teach, and always papers to grade. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Temple Forum, Professor Schweiker. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. Well, I know you care deeply about what's happening in the world. And as we're recording this interview, Ukraine is under attack by Russia. But we also have many domestic attacks underway against various groups of people and ideologies in this country. You've written about the pervasiveness of social breakdown. What does that mean? And how does a red-blue divide uh, factor into that? Yes, well, from passing conversations, we undoubtedly have all had to extended news commentaries on air and online, it's hard to miss the pervasive sense of social breakdown. People bemoan the dysfunction of Congress and the divisive and rabid political and cultural polarization between us, sometimes metaphorically put in terms of red versus blue. These culture wars rage even as commentators are trying to make sense of it. Now, one thing we need to understand and is important to understand is that the idea that any democracy, whether in ancient Athens to nowadays has been unified is just not the case. Democracies are sloppy contested, agonistic, and so too is every uh, democratic society. The difficulty is, is when we lose the capacity to communicate civilly about our differences. There's an old maxim attributed to a philosopher named Alfred North Whitehead that civilization is the triumph of persuasion over force. And I fear that that is the idea we're losing and that force is taking the place of persuasion. So social breakdown means the inability to argue together in good faith, seeking some common good. Do you think religion is seen as a cause or a contributor, or maybe another way to frame the question is, is organized religion part of the problem or part of the solution to this social breakdown, or is it both? Well, religion has always played a role in unifying communities, but also unifying communities over and against other communities. So 
in a sense, it's both sides. Sometimes scholars speak about civil religion, which is the convictions of a group of citizens about the faith they have in their social community. Um, America right or wrong would be a, a dogma of American civil religion. But the problem with civil religions is they can become very uncivil when conflicting with other civil religions. We see this right now in the Ukraine, in Ukraine, when uh, even the Orthodox Church is divided between Moscow and Kyiv. Uh, and we also see, uh, interestingly enough, in this state, in this, excuse me, in this country, there have been gatherings of Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Christians of various types at Ukrainian churches to show solidarity for Ukraine. So there you get an example of both how religion can be divisive if it's concentrated too much on the nation state, if it's a civil religion, and but how it can draw people together when religious people realize that their fundamental loyalty is not to a nation state. It is rather to the, the divine as they conceive that and the human good. So that's kind of an example of uh, a sense of a social unity. Um, can we see the world coming together to fight these common enemies, such as Putin or COVID-19, climate change, or, or kind of the unified experience that I think many people felt after the 9-11 attacks in this country? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and it's important that you noted all of those elements are examples of threats. And threat is, threat is a way to unify people. Uh, unfortunately, this is what wars were used for in the past or crusades. So yes, there can be coming together over the threat of COVID-19, although we've seen how quickly that's dissipated. Climate change is having very different responses around the world. So this is why I was saying, it seems to me religious folks have to have a loyalty, their central loyalty to be beyond something they have to defend from threats. Christians, for instance, don't have to defend God. <laughs> we, we, we don't he doesn't have really to, need our help, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't have to defend Christ. Uh, so, the, and most religions have a transcendent loyalty and trust. And without that, I think unity is usually um, brought on by a common threat. And as soon as the threat's gone, so is the unity. So is there such a thing as a common good in our diverse society? Well, we, th that's a very important concept and very perceptive uh, because I'll give it a, a general answer and then the specific religious answer. Um, in, our, in the United States, the common good, and I think most uh, capitalist countries, the common good is understood in two ways. Increasing, 
one way is to see the common good as simply the addition of all individual goods. So if we can help each individual citizen get more stuff, for instance, that increases the common good, okay? The problem with that is that those people don't necessarily share anything. They are simply pursuing their own interests, their own utilities, as the economists would put it. This is a very economic conception of the common good. Another meaning of the common good is what we share. So for instance, a walk out on the lakefront and one sees the beauty of the city rising above the lake and has a sense that you're part of this, granted, sometimes difficult city, but also beautiful city and beautiful lake, and that we have to preserve these things, that's a sense of the common good in the other way, in the second sense. The fact that I enjoy the city of Chicago doesn't diminish your chance of enjoying the, the city. Whereas the first point can end up in a zero-sum game. If I get something, you don't get it. Um, and I think right now in our country, we just are very confused about these two different conceptions of the common good. And the first form is really winning. Now for the religions, the common good for Christians and Jews and Muslims and theistic traditions, the common good is God. God is the goodness of all things. Uh, enlightenment. And again, that's not a zero-sum game. <laughs> my, my relationship to God is not diminished by your relation to God. In fact, it's enhanced. That's why religious people want to be in communities. The, the notion of spiritual, not religious, veers towards seeing religion or spirituality as something I get and something you have to get rather than sharing in the common good of the worship of God, for instance. I hope that's making sense. And I it don't mean is, and that's an important, important distinction. And I, I want to just go back to the first question a little bit about the social breakdown and our divisions as compared, contrasted to the concept of a common good. Like, yeah. how do we move forward? How do we get out of this mess? <laughs> One of the best American theologians was Abraham Lincoln. And he gave the famous speech of a house divided and in his second inaugural address noted that both sides prayed to the same God. God's ways are mysterious and there are his own. So I'm not saying everyone has to become Christian, but I am saying that we have to reclaim our uh, allegiance to something beyond our current political divisions. In a democracy, that would be to the idea of the union. That's what Lincoln did. He, he was ardent in believing that a commitment to, loyalty to, 
the idea of the union. America is a weird country because we're founded on an idea. We don't have the same race, language, religions. It's always been pluralistic from the very beginning. So it's a country that's founded on um, a belief in an idea that people can run their own lives with civility through persuasion. I don't know if that's getting quite to what you were asking, but. No, it's very good. Anything else that you'd like to add that I haven't asked that you think is important as kind of a wrap up statement? I think that religious communities have a lot of soul searching to do. Repentance should always begin with oneself and one's community. The Christian community has been much too complicitous with this cultural divide. And this is true for both the left and the right, the blue and the red, the conservative and the progressive. At points, they start sounding as exclusory as each other. And I think that the religious communities, not just the Christian church, but we have a lot to do on this, need to do some real soul searching and repentance and to decide how one is going to live in a political order that is not divine. It's a political order. That's all it is. Our ultimate destiny and allegiance can't be to the political order. But so we can kind of tone things down and try to live with some, to live as civilized people through persuasion, not force. That is an excellent place to end. Thank you so much. Our thanks to Professor William Schweiker from the University of Chicago Divinity School for sharing your insights with us. Thank you. I'm Mary. Jan Engmeyer. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Temple Forum. You've been listening to the Temple Forum from First United Methodist Church in Chicago. You can find more conversations like this online at chicagotemple.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again soon.